0: Nothing gets your audience back like a nice cliffhanger at the end of a season. And who doesn't love seeing those resolutions come across in part two? What about the times when part two never came? With that in mind, I'm Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture, and here are 10 Star Trek cliffhangers that were never resolved. Number 10. What happened to the bugs? This is a cliffhanger that almost definitely will never be resolved on screen, and not just because the effects have dated considerably since *Conspiracy*'s airing in the 80s. The parasitic lifeforms that infected Starfleet were originally meant to be the Borg, though the insectoid nature of the creatures was too ambitious for the capabilities of both model makers and CGI at the time. The episode does end with a message being beamed out into space, revealed as a homing beacon. It's a frightening and deeply ominous way to end this story, which accidentally is even given greater depth in the Enterprise episode Regeneration. Archer reveals at the end of that episode that the homing beacon the Borg sent would take about 200 years to reach its destination. Could the same then be true of the Parasite's message? Is Starfleet facing a new invasion sometime around the middle of the 26th century? Could the crew of the Enterprise J have to fight off their own people, infected again with new waves of these dreadful little creatures? It's a possibility, one that's ripe for mining in this latest Age of Trek. Number 9. Will the Vadwar return? The beginning of Dragon's Teeth is marked with Voyager being accidentally sucked into Underspace, a series of networked tunnels that allow them to travel hundreds of light years in the blink of an eye. They are quickly pushed out by the Turay before a series of events lead them to discover the Vadwar. This sleeping race represents the dragon's teeth of the title, as Chakotay seems to be the first to realise that they might be best left in their stasis pods. Once revived, the Vadwar immediately begin making plans to continue the conquest that had been their aim before going into cryosleep. Even with the help of Gedron, one of their own, Voyager barely survives the encounter, fleeing while the Turay bombards the planet from orbit. But what if the 51 Vadwar vessels that escaped destruction into the underspace networks. The episode closes with Janeway certain they haven't seen the last of this villainous race, however, for now, it seems they have. This is a thread that Star Trek Prodigy, set in the Delta Quadrant, could quite easily pick up on, even if being a children's show it avoids some of the heavier themes. Number 8. Remember that time Kirk started a war? In a private little war, Kirk shatters any notion that he honours the Prime Directive by arming Tyree's people with flintlock weapons, matching the firepower that the Klingon have provided to their enemies. While his reasons may have been altruistic, this unbelievable action should at least have resulted in a court-martial, and definitely deserve to be followed up on. This episode was Star Trek's attempt to depict the horrors of what was happening in Vietnam, with the Federation standing in for the Americans, while the Klingons represented the Chinese. Still, that doesn't excuse Kirk's actions at the episode's close. By arming Tyree, he may have evened the odds a little, but he's also dragged the Federation into a civil war. one that. is never again mentioned on screen. This is something that required a mention going forward. While the Federation and the Klingon Empire would eventually become allies, what of the worlds that suffered in the middle? Planets such as Organia were able to take care of themselves, but the same could not be said here. This seemed to be headed to disaster only, with Kirk never bothering to check up on them. Number 7. Did Telek Remor ever deliver those messages? To date, this one has never received a definitive answer. It's assumed that Remor didn't deliver the messages from Voyager's crew as he passed away in 2367, four years before the ship departed Deep Space Nine, however it's never been confirmed. Telectra Moore was accidentally brought through time from the past to the future, thanks to a micro-wormhole and a transporter. Upon learning that he was from the past, Janeway gives him a copy of messages from each of the crew that they've written to their families and loved ones back home, with a request that he delay transmitting them to Starfleet until after their initial departure. So, did he do it? Clearly, he died before they go, yet Torres speculates that he could have left a will, informing someone to send them on. They're never again mentioned, so it's probably a safe bet that this didn't Happen, but in the world of Star Trek, absolutely anything is possible. So it can't be ruled out either. Reginald Barclay, in his haste to make two-way communications with the Delta Quadrant, could simply have forgotten to tell them. One piece of evidence that suggests the messages weren't delivered is that Janeway's fiance, Mark, found someone else believing her to have died. Though he could have been lying just to save face. It's up to the audience that one. Number six, what happened to Juliana Taynor? Juliana Taynor was introduced in the seventh season episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. She had been, at one point, the wife of Dr. Noonien Soon, effectively making her Data's mother. However, the episode reveals that this Juliana is in fact an android copy, unaware of the true nature of her existence. At the episode's end, she's allowed to go on without knowing what she is. So, when the years pass, Data is killed on the Scimitar, and the Tal Shi'ar causes a synth uprising on Mars, this effectively makes her one of the last known Soon type androids in existence. What happened to her? In her positronic brain, there are all of the tools needed for Riker and Troy to cure their son, Thad, from the illness that killed him? Did they ever try and reach out to her? For that matter, did Starfleet ever try to hunt her down, now that her race was effectively labelled an enemy of the state? As long as positronic minds exist, there was a chance that the events on First Contact Day could have been repeated, so it's a fairly big gamble to leave her out there. If nothing else, Picard and several of the crew were aware of her nature. Did they hide it? Number 5. Did Kirk ever tell Starfleet about Sigma Iosha? In another case of Kirk simply not giving a toss about the Prime Directive, he is aware that McCoy accidentally left his communicator behind on Sigma Iosha 2. The planet was effectively a colony of 1920s style malls and gangsters, with cars and tommy guns to boot. The communicator could revolutionise their technology, advancing their civilisation decades overnight. Well, we sure hope they don't try and co-opt it into a weapon then, don't we? It's fairly obvious that Kirk didn't inform Starfleet of this little snafu, as he jokes at the episode's that it would be interesting to see what the planet managed to do in 100 years. Compare this to the Enterprise episode, The Communicator, which seems to be a direct apology for Kirk's actions. Reed leaves his Communicator behind on a pre-warp world, so Archer moves heaven and earth to get it back, so as not to pollute their development. Oh Kirk. Sigma Iosha 2 is never seen again in Star Trek. It's entirely possible that some technological genius found the device, reverse engineered some of the tech, and ended up with an atom bomb. Perhaps this is pessimistic, but it really is something that should be checked. Number four, is Khan still sleeping? To paraphrase Ambassador Spock, Khan Noonien Singh is the most dangerous foe that he and the Enterprise ever encountered on their travels. The close of Star Trek Into Darkness sees him confined to a stasis chamber along with the rest of his crew. Has the supervillain been left in the deep freeze forever? Admiral Marcus, while deeply misguided, had a point when he reckoned that Khan's knowledge could give Starfleet a tactical advantage in the quadrant. Despite the danger, it seems that locking away this huge resource seems a bit premature. Was Khan ever brought out of stasis? The events of Star Trek Beyond prove that the galaxy is still full of threats, with Starfleet not always in a position to combat them effectively. There's also the fact that Khan, genius as he is, planned for the possibility of getting caught. He has a huge advantage over his Prime Universe counterpart, not least being the fact that he's still alive. Where Khan Prime simply seized the opportunity to escape aboard the Reliant when it presented itself, this version of Khan had a long time to make his plans and enact them. The final shot of the man lying in the pod seems more like a soldier in wait than a prisoner defeated. Number 3. Will Cisco ever get to meet his unborn child? Star Trek Deep Space Nine went out on a high. The Dominion War came to a close, Odo returned to his people, O'Brien went back to Starfleet Academy to teach, and Cisco became a god. As you do. It's this that begs the question. If Cisco ascended to become a non-corporeal, non-linear being, then what the hell is keeping him away from his family? There have been calls for a follow-up to Cisco's story since the final episode of Deep Space Nine aired, but in particular, it is the fate of Cisco's family specifically that interests. Cisco's been a devoted father to Jake for all seven seasons of the show. The news that Cassidy was pregnant was joyous news to him. Behind the scenes, Avery Brooks was always delighted that, through Cisco, he was able to portray a positive father figure, specifically a black father figure as well, at a time when there was not an abundance of examples in the media. Having him return to become a father again would be the perfect ending To Sisko's story, enough so that it truly begs the question as to why it hasn't already been addressed. This, if nothing else, has to be followed up on in Star Trek. Number 2. Did the aliens stop kidnapping people? Schisms was and remains one of the most disturbing episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, or indeed Star Trek overall. The scene in the holodeck is a deeply uncomfortable watch, but when the clicks begin all around the characters, the hairs on the back of the audience's neck simply refuse to lie flat. There was a partial explanation exploration as to what happened after this episode in the comic Gateway. Ensign Hegler was one of the unlucky few who actually died as a result of these aliens experiments, with his sister captaining the USS Hornet years later, searching for revenge. However, on screen, the episode closes on a fairly terrifying note. While Riker is able to escape their realm with Ensign Rager, they manage to send something through with him before the rift can be closed. It appears as a bright burst of light, but there's little doubt that it is a way for the aliens to revisit the Milky Way galaxy again. in the future. That's what makes a truly terrifying concept. They could return at any time, in any place, and there really is very little that Starfleet could do to stop them creepy number one where is section 31 now chronologically the last known appearance of section 31 was in the mind of Luther Sloan as Dr Bashir and Chief O'Brien try to find the cure for the changelings wasting disease while inside his thoughts thanks to some illegally procured romulan mind probes Sloan reveals to them that there are no offices no buildings and no secret headquarters to this organization it is simply made up of individuals if this is the case then it seems that they've learned their lesson from their experience with control in the 23rd century. That entity was almost able to wipe them out entirely, infiltrate each of their vessels, and almost infect Starfleet itself. Perhaps this led directly to their decision to decentralise. So, where are they now? They never appeared in Star Trek Voyager, and it seems unlikely that they'll make an appearance in Star Trek Picard. They had a small reference in Lower Decks, but it really is Star Trek Discovery where we look to see what's become of them. Did they fade away with Sloan, or have they simply continued to adapt, changing form and shape, protecting the Federation at